coming up on Rediscovered. In the two worlds of Eternia and Etheria, there is one who commands the power. He-Man. Now, for the first time ever on the motion picture screen, He-Man. And your favorite Masters of the Universe characters in a brand new adventure. Leading the rebellion into the greatest battle of all time. And introducing She-Ra, Princess of Power, his long-lost sister. He-Man, catch! He-Man and She-Ra, united at last, following their destiny to a distant world. Fighting for freedom in a treacherous land. Unleashing their power on the most evil forces ever to menace the universe. Together we'll make life miserable for those Eternian fools. Just like the old days. <laughs> the fire. The fury. The fantasy. This is the dawn of the most incredible adventure of all. He-Man and She-Ra in The Secret of the Sword. Welcome to Rediscovered a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run or missed us altogether. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. That's right, you've got Jason and Wyatt here for episode 9 of Rediscovered. How you doing, bud? Good, how about you? I'm hanging in there. Glad to be back. And we are up to our third movie review, my friend. And we kind of cheated this time. We chose an animated movie that uh, we, I I don't believe, had seen maybe ever. I don't remember watching this full movie. But we chose The Secret of the Sword, starring He-Man and She-Ra. It was a good movie. I... I don't, uh, I don't recall watching this growing up, and I don't necessarily, I don't think we would say we cheated on this, because I think we left it ambiguous to just rare movies. I don't think that yeah. we said it was live action or anything, just as long as it classified itself as a movie, in which this, this really did. Right, yeah. I, I say cheated because uh, we've got a laundry list of cartoons in, <laughs> in our in our master list so we kind of uh did almost two cartoons in a row but you're right it technically it was a movie it was released as such which we'll get into here in a little bit but uh i don't know why do you think we picked it um uh, anything that, that kind of jumped out like i wanted this on the list or i wanted to eventually get to this movie i don't think we neither one of us really saw this as we wanted to review it i think it's more of a uh, we were just going through the list like we do. If you follow us, if you, we kind of joke about this repeatedly now. Mm. But we we typically, obviously, will we'll look through our list and try to come up with something. 
some of the time we'll come up with uh, two or three that we can at least find. Uh, so we'll go between the two or three and say, what do you feel like? What do you feel like? And I think we both just landed on this He-Man and She-Ra mm-hmm. because we really had not, that we could recall, we could not recall watching this movie. And I think that's mm-hmm. why we, at least for myself, that's why we landed on it because I was an okay He-Man fan. I wasn't the the big thing. I mean, Transformers and Mask were more my bag, but He-Man was okay. I, I liked watching it here and there. How about you? What was your thought process? Yeah, I knew it was on YouTube and had been on YouTube for a while on the official channel because I follow it and uh, had watched episodes over there uh, on occasion when I was into it and maybe wanted to watch some episodes with the kids. But uh, I knew it was readily available. So I was like, yeah, I I think it's time we go ahead and revisit this. But I don't have many memories of watching She-Ra as a kid and you kind of had the excuse of you had a sister and it was geared more towards the girls. But at the same time, I know, you know, tons of my guy friends that would watch it or they would come, almost watch it together with their siblings and the horde and all of the evil characters and all that was almost essentially integrated with their play with He-Man. So, yeah, I just never, uh, I don't know if I thought it was just a girl show and just never watched it, but yeah, I, th- this just totally missed me. So, I mean, it sounded like you, at least uh, in the pre-show there, you maybe were watching over your sister's shoulder, or I don't know, did you watch with her? We watched with it. I mean, we, we did the take turns thing, you know, as siblings should do, you know. Okay, you you watch He-Man, she'll watch She-Ra, you watch... You know, mask and she'll watch Care Bears or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I, I got into it. Not so much for the the female characters or whatever. Um, it was more about the, the, as I got into it, I saw the gadgetry of the sword, really. As I said in the pre-show, her sword was cooler. Mm-hmm. I wished He-Man would have had something, they would have thought that character's sword through for He-Man because He-Man just transforms and you know, zaps the Freddy cat and boom, that's about all it's good for. Yeah. I mean, he deflected a couple lasers here and there. And that's then... it. But it really doesn't <laughs> do too much. Whereas she resort, man, it would, she transformed that thing. When I, I don't recall if it was every episode or if it was just here and there, they decided to throw it into a pinch, but there's one instance where it's transformed into, I, I think it's a lasso. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a rope, but it, the whole sword, you know, just is this, rope i don't know how she does it i'm sure she whips it up and does transform to sword or to lasso whatever but i mean i'm like that's that's cool okay (laughs) transform the sword that's that's pretty cool i have no idea yeah so i was interested in the you know because it has the jewel in there and obviously there's the uh, sorceress is communicating with he-man i believe in the beginning of the movie and uh, it at one time shows She-Ra in the sword or um, Princess, uh, what's her name? Adora. <laughs> Adora. I almost said Alora, but I knew that wasn't right. Uh, it shows her face when they finally meet up and he's trying to search for this person. And I wondered if that jewel or if that was uh, used throughout the series too as as kind of a foresight or uh, like assistance or something as she's trying to get through the adventure. I don't remember what that jewel really did, except that it it 
differentiated between He-Man's sword and hers. Right. That's yeah. the only thing. I, I mean, they did something obviously for the movie. They, like you said, they put the sorceress and and an image in it, but that's all I knew that it did. Yeah. Well, um, let's go ahead and I guess get into uh, the movie itself, and we'll we'll throw some stats and. Facts here at you. Uh, first released in theaters March 22nd, 1985. And then later it was released in an episodic form, five episodes. That was the premiere of the She-Ra Princess of Power series in September of 1985. Known in these episodes as the Sword of She-Ra. So uh, they... Chopped it up, basically. And I did notice on YouTube, I'm not sure if, which one you watched, but there was two versions. So there was a, I think the, like, theatrical version, and then there was, an like, an uncut version, which I think added a little bit more based on the episodes with the day split up. And that's what I watched. And it, there was a little disconnect there at some points, but uh, still, it, going through the story of the, the movie was... At sometimes, I don't know, choppy to me, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll get into that a little bit more here later. Rated G, of course, the tagline, an all-new animated adventure starring He-Man and your favorite Masters of the Universe characters. So I didn't even <laughs> in the tagline. Nope. I mean, it, you know, He-Man was established at that point, so they're trying to play on that audience and uh, introduce the She-Ra character and, and get the girls the... The sisters involved in you know the franchise, the budget uh, according to IMDb, the budget was an estimated two million dollars. The worldwide gross on it was only seven point six million, but you know it did make some money back. It wasn't right. a total loss there for pushing it to theaters, and it was during that time too of when uh, might have been the one of the first ones. I know there was a Care Bears movie. There was a. Uh, uh, I think a Rainbow Bright that got pushed to theaters. There's obviously Transformers. The G.I. Joe movie was meant for theaters, but ended up, I think, just going to home video. So uh, there was a lot of those Saturday morning or syndicated shows that were trying to do also theatrical releases. Mm-hmm. And, well, the tra- the Transformers one was... I, I don't think it was a bomb in the sense of the you know, the dollar amounts that it made, but did not, you know, the kids were <laughs> turned away with the death of Optimus Prime and all that. So uh, while you were watching your Saturday mornings, the the movies themselves seemed to have an impact too right. uh, on the kids. But just as a, a rating here for IMDb, it's 7.2 out of 10. And on Rotten Tomatoes has a 79% audience score. So, Still like a 70%, you know, 7 out of 10 people still enjoy the movie or or did enjoy the movie as a rating. So I think that's pretty good. Uh, Let's get on to some of the development and crew here, some facts. I'll kind of turn this over to you, Wyatt, and we can go through this. So it was produced by Filmation as a way to introduce the forthcoming She-Ra series, although they didn't mention it in their tagline. (laughs) That's right. They'd want to. (laughs) new characters you think at least reference hey there's a sister coming something anyway Uh so there's five directors all of which directed several episodes of other filmation shows like he-man she-ra original ghostbusters brave star fat albert and others ed freeman who passed away in 2005 
was also an animator with credits dating back to the 50s. That's awesome. He was one of the uh, directors here we're going through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lou Kachavaz also directed episodes for Flash Gordon and was an animator for the Star Trek animated series. Marsh Lamore, also the animation timing director for Disney shows like DuckTales, Aladdin, Dartwing Duck, The Little Mermaid, and others. Bill Reed also directed Earthworm Jim episodes and helped animate Camp Candy. We reviewed that recently. Mm-hmm. Bill and Ted, Cow and Chicken, and I Am Weasel. Those are interesting names for shows. <laughs> I remember a couple of those, but yeah. And then Gwen Wetzler directed My Little Pony movie and episodes of Flash Gordon, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, Tiny Toon Adventures... Yeah, she's actually in the Power of Grayskull documentary talking about the movie. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, you're having to interpret my notes here. Yeah. Still, I mean, out of those five directors for the movie, there's a lot of good background there, good uh, resumes. Right. That's a good uh, pedigree for all of them, really. mm -hmm. It was written by Larry DiTilio, who passed away just last year in 2019. He wrote for animation his entire career. Interviewed for the Power Grace Girl. I, I was going to say something else. <laughs> uh, documentary. Outside of filmation, he wrote episodes for the Hulk Hogan Rock and Wrestling, Centurions, Captain Power, and the Soldiers of the Future, California Raging Show, Beast Wars, Transformers, that's pretty recent, and Kong, the animated series. He also wrote episodes for the original Babylon 5 TV series. The other writer was Bob Forward, who began his writing career with Filmation and He-Man. Also wrote the Christmas special. Later, he wrote episodes for Cops, Legend of Zelda, Sonic, Beast Wars, X-Men Evolution, The Incredible Hulk 1996, and Biker Mice from Mars. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched that one. That one's seems out there. That was early '90s, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it was produced by Arthur Nadell, executive vice president of creative affairs at Filmation, and the executive producer, of course, is Lou Scheimer, who is the president of Filmation. That's and that's true. interesting. You know, I'm not really trying to be in a bunny trail, but it's in this mindset. You watch a lot of stuff on YouTube lately, and the funny. Funny things I've watched, some people will do the exhaustive credits in the back. And it's one or two people doing most of that. Mm-hmm. And to see, you know, in a, in a production studio like Filmation that's big, it's incredible to see how much Lou Scheimer is a part of the actual process. He's just not an, a name on the credits. Like I, you know, you see John Lasseter with a lot of the, the Disney Pixar stuff mm-hmm. and more and more, I'm wondering if he does much of anything. I, I, I'm not dogging on him by any means. I'm just saying that, you know, he once yeah. wrote and did a lot of stuff and now all you see is executive producer. Yeah. Okay. It, I think it's more of a, like a, a career title now or something. Yeah. He, I mean, he did a lot to get the studio going, directed a lot of those movies, cars and, I think Bugs Life and, uh, you know, a lot of those early on. And now he's more of a that overseer almost right, of right. the current projects and gets that executive producer title as more of an add on. But I think you're right, because, I mean, Lou Schammer was involved up through 
you know, performing characters in all of the shows. That's it. And I, from what I've heard and read, and uh, I did at one point, I remember watching the Filmation uh, documentary that was just kind of on the, the company and how tight knit they were, how they all worked together. Yeah. They did have like a, a floor of just animators, but you know, they they could, uh, interact with them. Whereas a lot of shows, you know, were coming overseas or whatever. It wasn't all under the same building. So they had a really unique experience there having the actors, having the, the writers and having the animators all in the same building and being right. able to, you know, get ideas back and forth, see what they're working on and try to work on a voice for whatever, you know, was coming up. And, uh, I think he was involved with pretty much that whole process the whole time at filmation. So I, I think you're definitely right on that one, but yeah, it's interesting just to see how, uh, we put these credits up here and I don't recognize really most of these people except for Lou Scheimer, but seeing what they worked on, seeing what they went on to do is fun. Thinking about He-Man and She-Ra, and there's a lot of sci-fi in here in these shows, but there's also there's also people that worked on other, you know, animation, and it's uh, just neat how there was a lot of really talented people behind this movie exactly. to get it made. So uh, let's go on. We'll get into a little bit of the uh, just the soundtrack, really, and merchandise and the broadcast and home video history here. Uh, there was a soundtrack released on Kid Stuff Records in 85 on LP and cassette. Actually listened to a little bit of it on uh, YouTube. It's out there. And it's mainly the the opening theme, and they'll basically get ready. And it's more of an audio performance of the movie itself. It's not like a full uh, soundtrack on all of the, you know, backing songs and all that, which was done by Levy and Saban, who did a ton of cartoons, and not just for filmation, but overall. And I thought it was fun that Erica Scheimer, Lou's daughter, actually wrote the lyrics to that opening song, I Have the Power. Uh, so she was involved, actually, I think she does some of the voices, too, that we'll get yes. to uh, in the credits, but... Uh, so, you, again, you've got Levy and Saban who are laying down the music, and they've written a lot of the, the songs, too, that were actually sung and not just uh, instrumental. But I thought that was neat that his daughter wrote the lyrics to that opening song. And then we got the merchandise. There was a comic book which was published in 1985 by Mattel Toys as part of their The Secret of the Sword sweepstakes. The comic was handed out at theaters prior to seeing the film. The story runs six pages and recaps the film, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen it out there. Actually, was trying to get one prior to this, but um, I uh, along the merchandise as well. There's also a storybook in record set, actually a cassette, and not a record with those. And there's actually a two part. And I happened to pick up the first part just recently. I've been trying to collect some of these. Uh, booking records, booking tapes from back in the day and uh, listen to that. That was really fun that uh, they did that as well, released that as a story. I mean, that's what you did back then. You didn't have – a lot of people didn't have access to VCRs and home movies and that sort of thing. That industry hadn't really hit its boom yet in the mid-'80s. Right. So what did you do? You released it on record. You uh, 
had your Viewmaster, you had uh, other things, you know, to experience the movie again until, you know, later on when it became more accessible. But uh, speaking of the uh, broadcast and home video history here. It was released by RCA Columbia Home Video on VHS in 1985. There was a DVD. The film was released as part of the Best of She-Ra Princess of Power collection on July 18th of 2006 by BCI Entertainment's Ink and Paint brand. It was also released on DVD as a standalone feature without the extra episodes of She-Ra that the previous release had. And that was released in May of uh, 2008. The film was recently released again on DVD as part of the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the complete series DVD from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. And now, obviously, we found two versions on YouTube. So it's yeah. somewhat readily available <laughs> Yeah, until they decide yeah. to pull the plug. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I have not gone out and bought the whole series yet. Uh actually found a couple small collections at Toys R Us before that went out of business. Hand over your heart. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're two, going back. They I, I know. Back. There's, uh, I think I got them for like five bucks each, and there was ten episodes on each little, I think it was maybe the first ten episodes, first, uh, or then 11 through 20 after that, but. Uh, this collection that recently came out, I believe, either earlier this year or in 2019, is really nice. The complete collection, and you, you've got both He-Man and She-Ra, and then they've got all those documentaries. I think there's like three or four documentaries in there, including the one on Filmation and The Power of Grayskull. That was, uh, I originally watched that, I think, on Netflix. But um, that's a really nice set uh, that they've got out now. And so, uh, well, let's go ahead and get into the movie itself. The um, synopsis of the movie is Prince Adam is sent to the world of Etheria to find his long-abducted sister, Adora, and awaken her to her destiny. And uh, a lot of the same actors we're going to get here that you would have heard in the Masters of the Universe animated series here. John Irwin, who uh, was... He-Man in the original series. He played He-Man, Prince Adam, of course, and Beast-Man in the movie. And then we go on to She-Ra. Right, who is Melinda Brett, who appeared at the uh, RetroCon here about a year or two ago. That's right, yeah. She played Princess Adora, who also was She-Ra, Katra, and Hunga the Harpy. Yes. Which I don't that's recall the, that. Uh, that's the flying witch creature. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Where they save the, uh, the where they save the mother. Yep, yep. Uh, the queen. Uh, and that then you to Alan Oppenheimer. That's right. Alan Oppenheimer, of course, is Skeletor, Man at Arms, Cringer, Battle Cat. He's also one of the rebels, the bald rebel, <laughs> in the credits, and the chef Alan. Uh, then we go on to some more girl characters here. Right, we got Linda Gary. She played Tila, Queen Marlena, uh, Sorceress, Shadow Weaver, Glimmer, and Madame Raz. Then we got George DeCenzo. DeCenzo, I believe is how you say that. He was Bo, and he was also Hordak. Did not put that connection together 
that Bo and Hordak are the same person. That was well, well performed. Then we got Erica Scheimer, who played Queen Angela, and she did some other improvs uh, along mm-hmm. the way. And then finally, Lou Scheimer, who was accredited as Eric Gundin. I'm not sure why. I guess maybe he just wanted to uh, not take the limelight there, but he was uh, King Randor, Swift Wind, the uh, Shira's unicorn or horse, Cowl, Mantana, the Horde Troopers, Cobra Khan, Trap Jaw, Triclops, Broom, Sprague, Sprocker, Garve, the Innkeeper, Bard, the Messenger, and the Horde Computer. Man. So he just filled <laughs> in whatever other voice is available. <laughs> yeah, well, as many as he could do, pretty much. So I'm uh, going to go through just a quick review here, and then we'll get on to some of our favorites and least favorites here, Wyatt. So part one in the movie is we get, uh, it's called Into Etheria, and I'm just going by the, basically how they split the episodes. And this is where the sorcerer sends Prince Adam to the world of Etheria, where he is to find someone there and give them a very special sword. The uh, rebels rescue the villagers from Hornak's energy-draining machine in this part of the uh, movie as well, as Adam kind of helps them out to uh, help the villagers. Then we got part two, which they titled Beast Island. Imprisoned on Beast Island, He-Man must convince Force Captain Adora to see for herself how bad the Horde is and how they rule Etheria. That's right. And then part three of the movie was She-Ra Unchained, while Hordak threatens to drain He-Man of his strength to power a fearsome new weapon, the sorceress reveals to Adora that He-Man is her twin brother. Then we got part four, the reunions. Adam and Adora return to Eternia for a family reunion. But unknown to them, Hordak follows the twins to Eternia, where he is determined to capture Adora and take her back to Etheria. And then the final... Part of the movie, Battle for Bright Moon, Hordak and Skeletor join forces, at least for a time, to capture Adora and take her back to Etheria. So that's kind of the uh, overview of the entire movie. Let's get into some of our, I guess, favorite scenes from the movie. Some of the stuff that you were excited to see, uh, maybe harken back to watching Masters of the Universe. I'll let you go first. All right. Well, one of one of the favorites I did like was the first meetup when Princess Adora basically was still the Force Captain, and they were at odds. So you, you know, mm-hmm. they don't know who they are, each other are, but yet you got, which we later find out she's under a spell. But you know, she's like, "Who the heck are you?" You know, then <laughs> right. they battled out a little bit, and even when later on, when when um, Adam or Slash E Man convinces her to go take a look for herself. You know, the witch had already put her back under her spell and she laser blasts him in the back. So it mm-hmm. was, I kind of like that animosity that was there with Adora, at least for the time. Yeah. But then when she discovers her powers and becomes She-Ra, that was kind of cool too, because she's like, man, I can kick some butt and, and yeah. uh, break my dear brother who I now found out is my brother, you know, break him out of this, this, um, transformer the power drainer. right yeah yeah um so it was kind of cool that that you know they joined forces so if you will 
Yeah. She almost was like a sore thumb, though. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. So she's just uh, this human girl and all of the other you know, crazy people in Hordak's gang there. <laughs> she just... You know, one of these things is not like the other. That's it's pretty it. obvious. Right. <laughs> but, uh, well, and that's just coming in from, you know, my eyes. But, yeah, I mean, that that was good. I did like the, when they were at odds there in that little showdown that they had. And before the sorceress kind of revealed to He-Man about her. But, or, and even after that, when trying to convince her. That was, that was good. That was well done. I liked when they went to rescue Queen Angela from uh, Hunga the Harpy and all the Harpy people there. I don't know. That was just fun. He-Man, you know, climbs aboard Swift Wind and they're off and it's just kind of high up. It kind of reminded me of the, um, the Stratos people where they fly and they're almost like this uh, uh, castle or uh, stuff, something up in the clouds where oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of yeah. hard to get to. And they're, they had to climb on Swiftland to take them there because it's, up so high and she uh they're trying to rescue her to uh reunite her with her daughter there uh so i did enjoy that uh, part of the movie and then just the end when uh skeletor and hordak team up and then skeletor's betrayal of hordak uh, sending him back to etheria and then trying to keep a door for himself i mean that was uh skeletor to a t you know if you think about it from the animated series, how many times did he betray people and uh, as selfish as he was trying to, you know, take uh, Eternia for himself, take Castle Grayskull and uh, by any means necessary. But we learn, I think it was in this, or maybe it was, I don't know. I've, I've watched the Christmas special several times and they're both in that there, but I believe Hordak is Skeletor's essentially mentor in uh, Eviledom. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that Hordak kind of holds that over his head a couple times, and that might be why he turned on him at the end. But I don't know. I just like their whole relationship back and forth, and then Skeletor's betrayal. I thought that was really good. Uh, what's something that you maybe did not like watching the movie? There was a few scenes that were quirky. I wouldn't call them the my least favorite. They were quirky. Um, some of them were like the 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 willpower drainer mm-hmm. it was a little quirky i mean i uh, it was okay i get why because they had to have the power and what's funny is you know he's even explaining to the sorceress there uh why he has to drain it but then the sorceress still asks well, why do you why can't we use it yet well mm-hmm. did you just hear me i just told you we gotta fill her <laughs> up right um but the one that kind of got me and i get i i get why it was used but it was still corny was you got the four guardsmen scene they're coming back from uh, the whispering hidden hills wherever it is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he man like, like decides oh this is how i can get in and of course it takes him he has to go through the scene which is cool we get to see him go through the scene to you know transform i have the power and all but he has to rush up tackle the guy put on his armor and then he leaves that little tuff of hair Mm-hmm. And you could have at least dressed it up a little <laughs> right. bit, you know, tried to disguise yourself a little bit better. Yeah, but it was. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's a cartoon. Here we are, you know, forty-four to forty-three-year-old men evaluating the whole <laughs> cartoon, right? So, but to me, it's like 
really you could have hit it better could have been a better surprise but yet you have the sorceress later on saying wait this must be the warrior oh no kidding he didn't even <laughs> tuck it in and he's not a good camouflage dude so that that was the for me that was the the worst scene at least for me what about you for me it was just kind of what you were talking about before the the power machine where uh this was kind of towards the end of the movie not the power draining machine but this other machine that he's just trying to what is it send a a beam or something to destroy the rebels there. Yeah. Uh, just seemed like a time killer, uh, just a filler to get us to the true end of the movie. But uh, it just seemed to like pop up out of nowhere. Oh, Hey, I've got this huge machine that can send this beam and destroy people. And it takes so much to charge and get ready and all this stuff. And, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just feel like that that part of the movie, they could have written something a little bit better to to keep the story moving along. It was almost like, oh, let's pause the whole story with uh, He-Man and She-Ra getting together, and oh, we've got to take care of this machine that just somehow he had ready and popped up and hadn't used before, you know? Right. So th- that was just kind of took me out of the whole movie when they were going through that towards the end of the movie. But thankfully there was some other stuff to the better end the movie on. There's a nice battle and, and all that. So that wasn't really the, the true end of the movie. So that was really all I pulled out of it. Um, I, I pretty much enjoyed it, you know, going through it and, uh, didn't have too many places where I was just kind of taken out or bored or something. Uh, I felt like it moved along pretty well, um, except for just a couple places where, well, we'll get I'll get to, to uh, yeah, I'll get to that more in like kind of our overall likes and dislikes. But let's talk about the characters for a while. Um, what were some of your favorite uh, characters? I like the the Adora Shira character. You got a, a good, powerful um, uh, stand-up woman, I guess, figure, except that she's under spell, so she's not really, you know. Under the, she has kind of a a, a veil, if you will, mm-hmm. on the reality. But she's she's very um, strong-willed. That's the word I was trying to look at. She's a strong-willed woman, and then now she's she's got the truth. Now she knows that she was really meant to to do good and to mm-hmm. uh, fight the bad guys, essentially. Uh, and then you got Shira, who is even more strong-willed and can whoop up people and is now automatically an acrobat because you see her jumping out <laughs> of the window and hopping off of yeah. uh, what looks like a, a, a flag post of some sort. But it's cool because, uh, you know, back in the day, we don't think about it as kids. You know, it's just there's boys toys and cartoons and there's girls cartoons and toys, you know. But you look at it now, I mean, there was still, I hate to say it, but there's probably like 75% was for boys and 25% sold to girls. Mm-hmm. And to see a stronger character for the women to or girls to look up to. That was a good character. I thought the other one I liked, and it was because I, I saw a little resemblance to it. Um, not when they transformed her, but you got Catra who to me was like an expanded version of Batman's Catwoman, except that now she could transform into a, like right, a Panther yeah. or something. But, and then she'd also like exaggerated the, yeah. Yeah. My dear, that was a that was a little over the top, but I, I, I but I liked it because I mean that's that's really cool. But 
to me, it was kind of just too simple to be like pulling down the mask and now I change into a cat. I'm like, really? That's how you do it? That's uh, that simple? I mean, that could have some fun with that. You know, he man just <laughs> <laughs> come up <laughs> behind <laughs> you. Yeah. Make up your yeah. mind. <laughs> um, but um, no, I, those were my two favorite characters. Okay. How about you? I'm looking at this more as the Sheba characters because I was familiar with all the He-Man ones that they uh, injected into the story or Masters of the Universe. But uh, for the most part, I liked pretty much all the Sheba characters and their powers and how they interacted with each other, except for maybe one, which I'll get to. But uh, I, I will just uh, agree with you on Adora and She-Ra. Very strongly portrayed. She's already kind of, you know moved up on her own in the horde, not knowing that they're evil and just a very powerful portrayed character. And she, when she got into She-Ra, she and He-Man too, pretty much throughout the whole series of Masters of the Universe is like this. They're, they're trying to joke about their powers, but it's almost coming off that like they're just cocky. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like that little bit of an edge that, uh, they know who they are. They know they can take pretty much anybody at any time unless they really outthink them. But for the most part, uh, they come off confident and they'll make fun of Skeletor. They'll make fun of Hordak and all of his crew and pretty much nothing they can do about it. So I, I like the way that Filmation kind of thought out those characters and how the two actors you know, portrayed them, the voice actors. So, yeah, definitely back you on that. I forgot Hordak was a Transformer. Yeah, I didn't really I, remember that at all. <laughs> I forgot that he could, like, transform into that rocket. And what was the other one that he did? Uh, I'm, I'm sure that they incorporated that into the, the series, too. But that just took me by surprise. And I liked it. I thought it was fun that they made him uh, be able to take different appearances and stuff. But... Totally forgot that about Hordak. So, what was, uh, I guess, some of your least favorite characters, if you had any? I had really two. One of them is a carryover, but uh, for the She-Ra, it was, it was that Madame Raz. Where she was <laughs> yes. kind of annoying to me, even though she oh, was Oh, dearie my. That's it. Oh, dearie my. I just, whatever. She'd always come off with something. and but she, yeah. the, the fortunate part, was that she was very infrequent so it, it was she was annoying when she showed up but she was oh okay they're gonna shuffle her out of the scene i like it okay <laughs> and we could just move on the other one now this is this is a he-man character but i had it's been so long for me to watch he-man i didn't remember this but cringer he's this wimpy scaredy cat of a character and even adam was not all that i thought mm-hmm. adam would have had a better better uh awareness you know he was he wouldn't take any any BS type of thing. Yeah. But you got Cringer who's scared, thankful that he doesn't have to go along with Adam to go back to to go get Adora or, or anything. But then he transforms into this really aggressive, fearless, you know, battle cat. Like, how do you have that big of a split personality? <laughs> it really was, yeah. Yeah, I, I just didn't I, I guess I forgot about how bad Cringer really was and I, I just it lucky, Madame Roz. It was so infrequent; it didn't get me yeah. bothered too much. But it was still that. Come on, they could have done better. Yeah, and I, you know, a lot of fans, or I've seen a lot of fans 
kind of put Orko in that category, like Snarf on mm-hmm. Thundercats, and oh, here's the annoying character, you know, T-Bob and Scott on Mask. But I've always was a fan of Orko, and I've, I'm on your page. Cringer was really the one that I just, uh, I don't know, the more that I watch it now, the more I'm annoyed by Cringer yep, yep. than I am Orko. Because Orko usually had his part in it, and yeah, there were some what I would call roll my eyes moments when we <laughs> review Mask, but um, I can definitely agree with that, that uh, Cringer just didn't sit well. Um so yeah, Madame Raz, she almost kind of reminded me of uh, Janine from the Ghostbusters. That accent, or mm-hmm. I don't know what they were going for there. Oh dearie my! But um, the only thing that I really didn't like, like I said, the henchman for Hordak had really cool powers, but the voices just didn't seem to match up to me. Uh, the the voice for Mantana and Catra, it was like they were trying to do too much. With their voice. And if it was a little more subtle, you know, Montana, I read you, dear. Right. <laughs> Whatever. He, I don't know. I just didn't care for that voice. And uh, again, the, the characters were cool and what they did. And Montana was just like the toy that I remember where his eyes pop out and he shot whatever uh, laser Lasers, beams. Yeah. yeah. To stun people or whatever it was. But, um, I don't know. I just thought some of the voices were just a little too over the top for me when they were performing. But for the most part, uh, like I said, the the henchmen and, and the concepts behind the characters were cool. So, all right. Well, let's kind of move into uh, our overall likes and dislikes about the movie uh, as you're watching. Th- these were mainly notes that I took down as I'm watching the movie, specific parts and, and that sort of thing. But... It, it, as an overall concept, too, you can throw some stuff in here. So what were your overall kind of likes and dislikes? Well, we'll start with likes. <laughs> okay. Well, I really like the detail. You know, we, we reviewed uh, the Ghostbusters by Filmation here a little bit ago, and mm-hmm. I noted how how detailed they were with their animation. I think they did a notch up because I did notice some shadows. I don't think it was quite every character, but they had quite a bit of shadows on most of the characters mm-hmm. I'd say a fair part of the time I did notice the eyes blank it wasn't as frequent as the Ghostbusters but it was it was there something that you don't see a lot in 80s cartoons at all mm-hmm. I saw a lot of the reuse but I saw why obviously to make it you know to turn these out and you know make a mint out of it or at least they tried to the frequent ones were always the run He-Man's big old right in your mm-hmm. eye and then, uh, you know, when they walk up to a scene, it's always hilarious. It's the same walk. He just walks up diagonal, mm-hmm. you know. But I like the detail because they get the shuffle. If you really paid attention, it wasn't just a walk up and done. It was he walked up and kind of got situated in that mode. So you saw that. And I, mm-hmm. I, I applaud the detail that they did. The, um, the sparklers. That you saw when She-Ra transformed, you know that was actually kind of cool for yeah. what it was. Um, the dimensional porters, uh, portals rather, that was kind of neat to see because you saw that bright. Uh, it really wasn't CGI, but it was kind of like that because you got it to see illuminate, luminous and type yeah. of thing, and then you saw them walk right through it, you know, like they 
disappear like they're supposed to. The backstory was good to fill in the gap of why and how he and Shira are twins and all that. I, I, I guess that was the biggest thing. I kind of like the, the battles. Most mm-hmm. of the battles were actually kind of fun. Whether it was, you know, I will get into it in a little bit, but you know, the, the successive battles, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. We're all, we're all pretty, pretty good. I liked it. How about you? What was your likes? Well, uh, just right off the bat, I loved the opening song credits. I thought that was real nice, and you could really tell that this was, you know, meant for a theatrical release, a, a movie, and they really up the uh, the song and the the credits for the movie versus like you know when you're just watching Masters of the Universe and you get the little, you know, the yeah. filmation logo, and you're right into the song, but. Uh, really like that. Of course, it was the classic animation style. I remember, like you was noting there too. Uh, just it felt like, all right, yes, this is He Man. This is what I remember. And like you said, the way they position the characters, the running, and the, even the the combat and stuff—all what I remember from the Masters of the Universe series. Yeah, and it, again, a lot of stuff that you uh, mentioned before. I noticed the shadows on the characters too. Especially inside Castle Grayskull at the beginning, when they're standing in front of the portals there, I really noticed the shadows in Castle Grayskull. Uh, then the backstory was great, and the explanation of why Adora and the Horde was never in the original show. You know, it was just kind of a they're on a different planet, and she has no clue she's under the spell this whole time. So they really uh, was able to explain that, and then push it into the the story uh liked her fainting trick to get out of the uh, snake mountain situation oh, yeah, there uh it was you know the, it's the classic kind of thing oh and uh she, she's just messing with skeletor mm-hmm. so that was really great and uh like i said before i was gl- really glad we got that final battle i thought maybe the movie was ending sooner than it was going to based on that machine that just came out of nowhere i was like okay so this is going to be the the end of it trying to take down this machine but no it was we still got the rebels and everybody after that so that was really good so that was kind of my overall uh, likes and let's get on to our dislikes now overall what do you think well for the movie it just uh, felt like they just kept adding to an ending like they come up and think they had the ending, then like, wait a minute, I, yeah, yeah, we can add another twenty minutes here. Well, that's just, I was glad that they did because I was like, well, this doesn't, and this is not a good ending. And I was like, oh, so there's more. Okay, right. That, that's exactly how it felt. But it was like they didn't, they didn't. Uh, I I think they tried to make a transition, or maybe they, maybe they did it intentionally to, to the five scenes to do it as a cartoon if it didn't make it into a mm-hmm. movie production. They could chop it up and still make it solid as an episode. I don't know what their true thought process was, but it just felt like it was more of a writing like, la, la, la. wait, we got 20 more minutes. Let's come up with another battle, guys. And that's what yeah. they did. And then it was like, wait, we're only at 40 minutes. we got to make it another. Well, let's <laughs> put another battle in it. Why not? You know, that's what it felt like. Um, then they, they win the battle and, you know, like you said, that Shira and Dora go gets to visit their family, and you could have ended the movie; it would have been short, it would have been there. But then she gets kidnapped, and then He Man needs to rescue her, and then it then it ends. 
like I said, it just keeps kind of those. Let's let's yeah. keep on adding ideas. Yeah. And then the one little, I get it was a, it was probably a shortcut why they drew it like this, but most of the women were the same character. They just threw a different headpiece on, really, and maybe a different outfit. But if you look, the cheek little outline and the eyes were about the same on Shira. Glimmer and Queen Angela. I'm sure the other ones were similar like that, but I'm like, all they did was do a little fancy, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. taking off their their hair and wardrobe. And filmation was, was known for their shortcuts. Well, they were, <laughs> they were, but you know, to make a little difference. Yeah. Except for the except for uh, what was her name that we just don't, Madame Raz. You know, you could have done something to You'd have, really yeah, change definitely. it up, but again. We're also 44-year-olds looking at this, <laughs> and we see it. Whereas a kid, you're like, oh, that's a purple character. Oh, that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, Whatever. well, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, all the all of Hordak's crew was, you know, totally made up and different, and which made it cool. But, yeah, I mean, all the rebels there, except for Madame Raz and the, the little dude that flew around with the big ears. I uh, can't remember what his name is off the top of my head, but... They, you know, they added some of those little quirky characters in there, but the the main ones, I, I think you're right, were... That was uh, Cal, wasn't it? Cal, yeah. Um, the humans were essentially, yeah, I, I can see that about drawn the same. What about you? What was your dislikes? Um, Not a whole lot here. Like I was saying earlier, while each episode seemed to flow pretty well, there was a bit... A little disjointed in between each story, uh, and there were some times where the story was not resolved before they went on to the next episode. Uh, in the first one, it was like, "Where did He Man go after the first battle when Adam returned?" Mm-hmm. And they just kind of left that. Okay, so Adam's back now. Where did He Man go? And then what happened to to Adora when she woke up from the the spell? They really that was more of like a, a cliffhanger, but you didn't essentially see the whole process of the spell being removed, her waking up and understanding what was going on. She finally right. did that, but there was some kind of an, an abrupt or a, a cutaway from that story right there. So it, it was just a little bit disjointed between that. It probably would have been fine if you're watching it, you know, five days a week and going through the whole story and you wouldn't have noticed some stuff like that when I knew that was like kind of where they cut it off for to be continued, you know, tomorrow. Something that was kind of off with Prince Adam, you know, like you were saying, yeah, he was a little more uh, adventurous or I don't know, uh, not as a, a scared as Cringer. But it was still Prince Adam. Prince Adam would run at the thought of trying to face Skeletor, you know. And then, of course, he became He-Man. So it was weird to me that they sent Adam into the portal, the sorceress did, at the beginning, instead of transforming into He-Man and just walking in as He-Man. So, I don't know. It was just weird seeing Adam being called Brave, Mm -hmm. where in the original episodes, he was just kind of one tick above Cringer. (laughs) <laughs> so that was a little disjointed to me that Adam was a little more brave than, you know, you get to that first scene there where he's at the bar and all that with the bow and what's going down there. But uh, 
One thing I really kind of disliked more in the uh, original Masters of the Universe series, you got a lot of panning shots, kind of uh, setup shots for the scene that panned landscape, whereas a lot of the shots were vertical in this one. And it was like going from the rebel camp and you would pan up, pan up, pan up, pan up and see in the distance. And then you can see, your, you know, like the Horde castle there or something. So they were trying to, to show distance there, but it, it works a lot better when you're going horizontally, when you're scanning across a, a whole landscape and then you get to, you know, uh, Castle Grayskull or you get to the uh, castle at Eternia there the uh, palace and just a lot of those vertical shots didn't kind of work for me. I don't know. Um, anyway, that was, you know, that wasn't big. It's not like it was uh, a, a thing that would have really taken me out of the movie or anything. So, right. well, that was kind of our uh, overall wrap up on the, the likes dislikes of the movie and the character scenes and uh, overall. So, here we are. We're kind of at the end now. And would you want a, people to go rediscover the movie, or should they just leave it in the past as a memory? Perhaps? I think you should rediscover it. This was actually a fun movie, especially if you want to establish if you're anyone if you're like at least myself, where you want to understand the beginnings of something. This would be a great foundation to discover. He-Man and She-Ra, how they are connected and how they were obviously twins. So mm-hmm. it, to me, that was great. Then, you know, everything else was kind of cool as well. The battles and, and seeing the multiple characters and so forth. Yeah, it's weird, like just going through the movie. And I know you're relatively newer to Star Wars, but it seemed like they ripped off Star Wars a lot. Where I saw a lot of it. Yeah. You've got. You've got the rebels versus the you know the bad guys. You've got uh, these twins that don't know they're twins, which happens you know in Star Wars and that kind of slowly being revealed. So it was uh, I was like wow I, you know there was a lot of similarities there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you. Um, if you're wanting to you know, uh, go back and watch She-Ra. If you've never watched that before, I've watched, you know, kind of like my situation where you'd watch, grew up watching Masters of the Universe and just never gave She-Ra a try. I mean, this has me wanting to go and watch She-Ra episodes and watch that series and see, you know, kind of how they went with that. And, uh, yeah, and even if you don't, um, this is miles ahead of the, the Christmas specials, uh, you know, a lot of people harp on that. And that has, I think that has, uh, both He-Man and She-Ra in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, but this is such a, a, a better story and it's obviously a lot longer. It was a, you know, theatrical movie, but definitely, uh, just a fun hour and a half to, you know, get back into that world and get a little bit of both worlds too. Cause, uh, it was fun. They did go back and forth. I don't know. I didn't count how many times, but you're at Eternia and then Etheria, right. you know, back and forth, back and forth, and didn't seem really disjointed or, or like they were go- doing that too much. And you get a lot of each world. You get to see 
how things kind of work in Etheria with Hordak, and then you come back to what you're familiar with, or at least I was familiar with, in Eternia, and um, the king and queen set up and everything. So that was really fun, too, just kind of getting the best of both worlds almost uh, in there. So definitely a thumbs up. Definitely recommend uh, if you're just a casual Master of the Universe fan to go check that out if you have not watched The Secret of the Sword. Right. So, okay, well, that uh, will bring us on to Episode 10 next time, going back around and uh, starting with our TV show again uh, as we continue the Rediscovered podcast series. And uh, as usual, we, we kind of leave that a mystery, unless you want to have something on your brain maybe you want to throw out there. But uh, I was kind of looking through the list, and there was a, a few that came to mind. I was like, nope, that's not available. Nope. Nope. <laughs> have to buy a DVD set for that. And yeah, so uh, we're going to probably do a little digging before we uh, land on our TV show for next time. So, Well, thank you again for watching and listening to us here on Rediscovered. We invite you to see our show notes on Rediscovered the 80s and listen to us on our podcast where you, have, you can find us, Stitcher and, and the plethora of other entities. Don't forget to comment. You know, we enjoy reading your comments, any suggestions, like Jason just said. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, join us on YouTube. You get to see us pre and post game, and see us right. with the bloopers and practical jokes and all that. So trying to uh, work yeah. in some new videos for YouTube as well to keep That's you entertained. Right. So, so again, we uh, we thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to Rediscovered, right here on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed. Find our show notes at rediscoverthe80s.com and watch our recording sessions on the Rediscover the 80s YouTube channel. Theme music provided by Bart Graft. Visit bartgraft.bandcamp.com for more retro wave music. Join us again next time as we review more TV, movies, and animation from the 80s right here on Rediscovered.